Good morning and welcome to On Fire Radio, brought to you by Catskill Mountain Christian Center, a full gospel family church and Christian academy located at 629 Main Street in beautiful Margaretville, New York. What a great day to go to church. If you don't have a church, come on over to Catskill Mountain Christian Center. We would love for you to be our guest this morning. That's Catskill Mountain Christian Center this morning at 10 o'clock. If you'd like more information about On Fire Radio or Catskill Mountain Christian Center, give us a call at 845-586-4848. I'm Renard Bartow, and I'd like to invite you to join us for the next 30 minutes as we bring you On Fire Radio. Now let's go to Pastor Bob Engelhart with today's message. Um, some of what I'm going to share with you I received, um, during the week, I received an email from a pastor, a friend of ours, his name is Ernie Fink, and he pastors a church up in Albany, New York, and he wrote uh, an article, and I thought it was really good, so I, I am giving credit to Pastor Fink, because I don't want to just steal his stuff and pretend like, you know, I, I think it's important to use references. If I'm going to use a reference, I want you to know where, who I'm quoting, who I'm speaking. I don't know that all pastors do that. I kind of get the feeling that they don't. But there are so many illustrations, so much good writing, so many references out there. It's only right, it's only just. I mean, if I'm going to put on a record, it's the, the, a Beatles record, you know? And I'll say, yeah, this is me singing this song, right? I thought up this song. You know, this is the this band is called the Beatles as well. Part of this is is uh, Pastor Fink, and he starts with a statement before he even gets to the scripture. He says, "He says, how should we view problems? That's the question, rhetorical question, but important. How should we view problems? Problems." are one of those things that are, that are under the, the heading of things in life that are ubiquitous. That means that you're always going to have problems. <laughs> maybe big problems, maybe small problems, maybe life-altering problems, but problems are a part of the thing. And how should we view problems if we're going to be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's really what the Bible is here to teach us. And I have to tell you something. You know, if you're, if you're a serious Christian, you live the best life there is to live on this planet. If you're a serious Christian... There is not a better way to live your life on this planet. There's no other belief system that asks you specifically to love your neighbor, to love your enemy, 
to love God to, and to accept the fact that he loves you desperately, that he's gone through so much since Adam's fall to win a people back to himself and sent his son to die so there, there could be an exchange, a swap. He takes our sin, we take his righteousness. The thing is, we don't, I don't want to, I got, got God's righteousness, I don't want to waste it. You know, I don't want to waste it. I don't want to be conformed to this world, but I want to be transformed. Right? So how should we view problems? Because when problems come, the Bible says the devil comes around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. There was something on, somebody posted one of those reels on Facebook yesterday, and um, this big bull elephant, Major Tusks, was charging these two men. I'm telling you, this, this elephant was, I had an elephant gallop, you know, and i like, oh, they're dead. And you know what? They stood their ground and they just remained in a relaxed position. It was, it was an amazing thing to see because the elephant, about six feet in front of these guys, just stopped dead in his tracks, turned and went the other way. It was like, that's cool, right? So when problems come at us, sometimes like a roaring lion, to seek to destroy us, we hear the, that the lion roar and, and, and charging toward us to destroy us, whatever your problems may be. You know, that's what we have to learn in Christ to be able to deal with if we're going to have an, a, a successful Christian life. That's what you have to learn how to um, how to stand in moments like that. Okay, so problems, they intimidate and they want to stop a believer dead in his, their tracks before ever even attempting to defeat them. A lot of times, Christians don't even try to defeat their problems. They just run away. I'm just going to run away. This problem is like a roaring lion. It's coming after me. I'm going to run away. You know, and, and we, our job here is to learn how to deal with problems the way the Bible would have us deal with problems. Um, we're going to look in, in the word at two sort of different ways that people look at the problems. And I had to really sort of scrunch a lot of this scripture down. But I'm going to start in Numbers 13.1. And this is after the Israelites... Um, the Hebrews came out of Egypt and they were walking around in the desert for, for like 40 years or something and they come up to the promised land for the first time and Moses is going to send 12 spies into the land say, and he said, go see what we got. What are we facing over there? Um, number 13 one says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men 
to spy the land of Canaan, which I am giving, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their families, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So I want you to take the leaders of every tribe, the 12 tribes, I want you to take a leader of every tribe and send them over as spies over into the promised land and check it out. See, see what we're up against here. See what, what, what's happening over there. Verse 21, I'm jumping, I'm jumping through scriptures here. You can read it. I'm not doing anything out of context. Um, so they went, these 12 guys went up and spied out the land. Verse 23 is part of this expedition that these guys are on. Then they came to the valley of Eshcol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. You're talking about a major cluster of grapes. You're not talking a little baggie over at Freshtown. You're talking about this thing was so weighty, one guy couldn't even carry the cluster. It took two men on a pole to carry this cluster of grape. I mean, we got some fertile land here. Um, and they also bought, brought some pomegranates and figs. Okay, from here, I'm going to jump down to verse 26. Uh, still Numbers 13. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, that's like a however, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And they were, they were giants, a race of giants. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. So we got a problem here. But then Caleb said, this is now verse 30. Where was I? I don't know what that was. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. These people are saying, wait a minute. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's milk and honey over there. There's beautiful fruit. But we're not, we can't, we can't take this land. Now God said he's giving them this land. They don't have to take anything. He said, God is giving them this land. This is the, the promised land, the land that God is giving them. Verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, in spite of what everybody else is saying, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. 
And thir uh, verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people because they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw giants and, and the descendants of Anak. And we were like grasshoppers. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. How do you see yourself? How do you handle your problems? How do you see yourself? And, and the problem is that, that as Christians, sometimes we're, grasshop we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. Right? And this is chapter 14 from the beginning. So all the congregation lifted up their voices. So, you know, Caleb is like, come on, you guys. You know, we, we can take this land. And 10 of the guys are like, you're crazy. We can't take this land. We're like grasshoppers to these people. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried because they believed the 10 rather than the two, Joshua and Caleb. And the people wept that night. They were, they were shattered because they, they'd been waiting all this time for the blessing of God. Now they realize the land and the giants in the land are too big for us. We can't take the land. We're going to end up back in the wilderness. And they wept. Um, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. It's always the pastor's fault. <clears throat> against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. If I had only never gotten saved, I wouldn't be in this situation where there's all this pressure on me to have to, to, have to go and fight giants and I'm like a grasshopper. If only we had died in the land of Egypt or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to all fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims would it not be better for us just to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select an, uh, a leader and return to Egypt. Verse 5, then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, so Joshua and Caleb are the good guys in this story. Um, Caleb, the son of a guy, I don't want to even try to say his name, I'll definitely massacre it. Um, they were among those who had spied out the land, and they tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. 
These guys you see as giants, I see as our bread. Their protection has departed from them. God is not with them anymore. God has moved to make room for us to go over there and take the land. The Lord delights in us. Won't he give us the land he promises us? Jesus say, ask, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. If you, the Lord delights in you, won't he give you what he promises? He says, their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Don't you hate the courageous guy who wants to do something that you're secretly afraid of doing? Can't stand that guy. You know, what are you bringing that up for? You know, I don't... I thought, you know, we're church mice here. Are we church mice? Or are, are, are we the children of God? I think, I think we're called to be the children of God. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the meeting before all the children of Israel. That kind of stopped them in their track. Um, the, or, the story of Israel's 12 spies helps when f- facing great difficulty. 10 focused on giants, 2 focused on grapes. 10 focused on giants, 2 focused on grapes. That's a Pastor Ernie line right there. So God God called this kind of faith a a different spirit. He said in Numbers 14.24, he says, but my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land. And he entered it with his descendants and they'll take possession of it. He's saying, Joshua uh, and Caleb, They're going to see the promised land. But the rest of the whole nation of Israel, you guys are never going to see the promised land. They all died in the wilderness, except for Joshua and Caleb and their families. They all died in the wilderness, right? I mean, we can turn back and go into the wilderness, but I think we're here to take the land. We're here to make some noise for Jesus. Everybody feels it when there are giants lurking around. I have faced, personally, many situations where it seems like there were no answers. It feels like things are slipping away. It feels like things are becoming more difficult. Um, And it's at those moments that we all go through, I'm saying softly, that we we regather our spirit. We have to go back to the word of God and we have to reclaim our courage. We must reclaim our faith and courage. Um, You know, Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. And a few differences in the spirit of one who looks at the giants and one who looks at the grapes. Um, Number one, we can walk in peace instead of panic. 
Once you hit the panic mode, you're not in the faith mode. Once you hit the panic button, you are, you become nearly feral and you're gonna do whatever you have to do to get out, you know, to run, get out of the way. A spiritual, mature, a mature believer will move in quiet assurance in the midst of terrifying symptoms and odds. Things become terrifying, you can walk in peace. So number one, peace instead of panic. If we're looking at the grapes rather than the giants, we can walk in peace instead of panic. Jesus stands up in the boat, he's like, right, these guys are half of, some of them anyway, are fishermen, right? By trade. And there's such a terrible storm that these guys who are fishermen by trade, and, and they, it was common for them to fish all night, but this storm blows so hard, and they're like, Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. You know, and they wake him up and say, Jesus, can't you see that we're perishing? And Jesus gets up and says to the wind and the waves, peace, be still. Shut up, he says to the wind and the waves, just my, my vernacular. Shut up. And everything calms, the sea calms. So they're looking at, are they looking at, um, Giants or grapes? They were looking at a giant. I mean, that was a serious situation. The second is um, opportunity instead of an obstacle. You see an obstacle or an opportunity in front of you? Obstacles, that's why Jesus said, say to a mountain, be removed, cast into the sea. Caleb called the land full of giants, an exceedingly good land, uh, land. And his mind recorded beautiful cities and vineyards, water supplies and homes, instead of walls and defenses and giants. So we have to see the potential rather than the problems. You know, many obstacles are gonna come and say, you can't do that. You can't do that. Whatever it is that God has planted in your heart, whatever vision God has planted in your heart, you say, you can't do that. I'm going to tell you, you can do it. God's planted in your heart, you can do it. You got to say, no, there's too many obstacles. You know, I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I'm too old. I'm too, I don't, I'm not articulate. I'm not, you know, healthy enough. I'm not this. No, no, there are opportunities for God to show himself great and mighty and faithful to you. That you walk with a swag because you've got Jesus Christ and he's done miracles for you. Number three, alignment for the assignment. Caleb knew that if the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us in to the promised land. That's number 14.8. He searched his own life through prayer to make sure that there was nothing within him that it was out of alignment with God's will. You know, if it's you that you, you know, you're ruining it yourself, you know, 
we, we, we got to align ourselves to make sure that we're aligned with God's will. Because when we're aligned with God's will, God will give us what he has promised. I'm not talking about perfection, folks. I'm not talking about some kind of moral perfection that somebody's better than anybody else. Jesus, I tell you what, I tell you what, do two things, and I promise you, you're going to be in God's, on God's good side. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and your strength. Do those two things, you're in, you're good. And you can say, God, I love you a zillion times a day. If you don't read his book, you don't even know him. Because you learn about him from his book. Right? We cannot face giants from outside, the giants that are outside of us, if we have tolerated the giants that are inside of us. You know, maybe some of us were raised in a way that we've got bad attitudes and you know, my father had a bad temper, so I'm going to have a bad temper. There's nothing I can do about it. Wrong. Wrong. That's why Jesus died. Right? Um, number four, submission instead of rebellion. The, um, Caleb says, only do not rebel against the Lord. To resist and move in the opposite direction from God is dangerous. God has, gives us the way he moves. So move the way he moves. Um, their criticism that is there really was their stubborn refusal to not believe the Lord. To say, no, we can't go into it was really telling God, no, you can't do this. You know, Faith is a, a valuable commodity. You know, probably maybe 50% or more of the population of our country will say they believe Jesus Christ is Lord. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything if Jesus Christ is not your Lord. Savior, that's a cool thing. Savior, I like Savior. Savior, we like, Right? But Lord means we're giving charge of our life over to him. Yes, Jesus is Lord. You know, so when you go after your neighbor to, to bring him down because he's annoyed you because his baseball went through your window or something like that, you know, I mean, there's a way as Christians that we respond to calamity, to tragedy, to hardship. And, and loving your neighbor as yourself, that's... Uh, Take some practice. Amen? Um, number five, spiritual warfare instead of natural warfare. And I think this is probably the most important point. Uh, Numbers 14.9, their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. See, if you don't see this world, the life that we live as a spiritual interaction, you don't, you don't believe in the spiritual population that really runs the world around us. We are the derivative. God, the spirit, is the manufacturer of the material world. We are a derivative of his wor world. He can do anything. 
God can do anything. And you, we are surrounded this very moment with a great cloud of witnesses and with the angels of God who stand at the ready for your obedience so they can fight for you. This is a spiritual warfare, not a natural warfare. Really important, really wonderful. Amen? Caleb could, could see into the spirit. See, he believed God's word, that the enemy's armor was already removed. They're already beat. God is already, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know God told us that's our land, and I believe that, so I guess we got to go in. And if it takes a skirmish or two while we get in there, well, so be it. Um, we might see our enemies as stripped down of their defenses against us, stripped of their power when Christ rose from the dead. See, your enemy is already defeated. Jesus has already defeated your enemy. It's done. The job is done for you. Peace, opportunity, alignment, submission, spiritual warfare should be within you every time you face a giant. And there are many giants to face for. Look for the grapes whenever you see the giants coming. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God has used this message to minister to you. And on behalf of Pastor Bob Englehart and everyone here at Catholic Mountain Christian Center, this is Jake Johnson signing off. God bless, and thank you for joining us this morning.